another episode of the Faith in Action podcast brought to you by Christian Union Martis. I am your host, <laughs> Caleb Watt. Here are my athletic, uh, handsome, baller of a co-host, Isaiah Scott Smith. Bet y'all thought I was going to say Tommy Comfort. Nah. Isaiah, how are you doing today? I'm just doing fine. Um, I appreciate for the flattery, although I think flattery is sin. <laughs> From what I hear, but that's okay. I'll take it all the same because it's compliments, true. edification, <laughs> uh, encouragement in Christ. But I am very delighted to be with my absolute jacked, handsome, God-loving co-host as well. Wow! Oh my gosh! Wow! Tommy never says these things about me. <laughs> I just laugh and say I'm doing well, Caleb. Tommy, you haven't been introduced yet. You can't do that. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all good. Um, so Isaiah, why are we here today? Well, Caleb, I believe that we are here for a specific individual s- sitting across from us. Oh. That individual mind telling us his name and a little bit about himself. <laughs> that individual's name is Tommy Kumpf. Hi, Tommy. He is, hi, Caleb. He is a <laughs> senior at the University of Pennsylvania studying networked and social systems engineering, NETS. Wow. Uh, and he's been part of Christian Union ever since he was a freshman. And he co-hosts this podcast. That mm. is true. I've heard that. <laughs> wow. Incredible. That's fantastic. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so Tommy, um, yeah. So again, with the purpose of these interviews, we just really want to be able to um, get different people's testimonies and hear about how God is working in their life, has worked in their lives to make them into the person that they are today. And yeah, just like hear the thoughts for Christian union and things of that nature, even if they're not exec like Tommy. But Tommy has held leadership positions before, mm-hmm. and he's a very well-known figure in our community, if I do say so myself. So, yeah, we are truly blessed to have Tommy with us today. So, Tommy, you can start wherever, but, like, if you can think back to the first time when Jesus became really significant or had import in your life, um, if you just want to take it from there. and Yes. Yeah. Well... That point, <laughs> I'll start way before there, oh, but snap. it'll still be reasonable. Okay, so I was born in a Christian household. I was raised Christian, right? I went to church every Sunday, uh, went to youth group sometimes, but actually, not to roast my home church, but my youth pastor did not actually attend church, which is a strange thing for a youth pastor to do or not do. So I didn't go to that that much. My family did not like him that much. He's no Nick. Uh, <laughs> throwback, throwback to last week. Now throwback. you got to watch that episode to know what the reference I talked about. Um, but yeah, I was like Christian, right? And like people knew me as Christian. I would say I was Christian. And I wouldn't do certain things. They're like, oh, Christians definitely don't do those things. Like I would do a lot of things, but I wouldn't do the things that Christians definitely didn't do, if that makes sense. So my senior year, when I could drive and... I like my parents like let me come to church or not come to church whether or not I wanted to and I would never wake up in time and so I'd pretty much just like stop going to church my senior year of high school and then there was this one moment when I was outside at my pool playing with the dogs and I was listening to a sermon because like it's not to say I didn't believe in it but it is to say I didn't know if I believed in it like coming into my senior year, I'm starting to be like, oh, do I really believe this stuff? Like, what is the stuff that I say that I think is true? Is it really true for me? Do I really want to follow it? And so I still like cared about God in a way. And so my brother recommended these sermons to me from Summit Church, which is the church in North Carolina. J.D. Greer, pastor, if you know him, as it seems to recognize. 
he was pretty good. He was really good. And so I just listened to this one sermon series. It was like four sermons about the name of Jesus. And while I was listening to it, I'm like, wow, I really don't know the name of Jesus and don't really know him that well. And that was kind of the start where it's like, this is something I need to figure out. Or it's like, I have not, like, I, even all the stuff I did, even confirmation class and all of that, it's clear I don't really know Jesus at all. And so coming to college, I don't know if I, you know, really cared that much, but I know my dad texted me and he said, Tommy, you should join a Christian group. I'm like, yeah, okay. And he's like, no, this is really something you should do. Like, this is a, something you should pursue because, you know, both my parents are Christian. And I'm like, all right, sure. So I came to the campfire night during NSO. For those of you unfamiliar, there's a bunch. I don't know if they still do it anymore, but there's a bunch of Christian groups. Like pretty much every Christian group on campus is there and they have their own booth and you can go talk to them. So I went to there and then some guy is like, oh, you should go to Penn Faith in Action. Penn FA, never forget. Rest in peace. Uh, rest in peace. Let's Christian go. Union Martis. Christian Union Martis. So... I went to there and I met Tucker Hutchinson, who was a senior, so very few of you will know him, and Tucker Else. And I talked to them I'm like, oh, these guys are pretty cool. And yes. Then I started coming to Christian Union events. Philia was awesome. But at this point, like, it's hard to say where my faith was. Like, again, still would firmly call myself Christian. Still would firmly say I believed in Jesus and death and resurrection and everything. But... It didn't affect my life in a lot of ways. And in a lot of ways, my life looked entirely secular. And then I would go to Bible course and go to Philia and then go back to my secular life. Like I wasn't reading the word. I didn't even go to church that much because like my freshman year, my sleep schedule in life was very degenerate. And so very often I would wake up (laughs) at two or whatever and I couldn't be bothered to set even the alarm for 11 o'clock GCC service, Mm. which was the latest one that existed. (laughs) So I... Yeah, my freshman year was interesting because it's something I think that a lot of people in Christian Union wouldn't necessarily expect of me because it's hard to exaggerate how secular it was and how coded with sin it was. Like, my main friends were friends from Nets uh, and Sis, like different engineering friends. And so we would hang out together pretty much all the time. We, like, we would always stay up really late. But the type of things we would talk about and do and the type of lives we led were so incredibly far from Christianity. And it's especially in the way we spoke, like our language was not clean. And that's the nicest way of putting it. It is. Yeah. If anyone from Christian Union heard me speak the way I did when I was with them, it's it's ridiculous. And I'm extremely grateful to God for forgiving me and sanctifying me out of that lifestyle. But this is something maybe I'll talk about later, but really freshman year, Christian Union, I didn't feel like was my main social group, whether or not it could have been. And so these guys, these secular, extremely secular guys were the main social group that I hung out with, which led to a life that was relatively unsanctified because I would just do what they did, talk like they did and think about things and view the world in the way they did. But all that to say, we actually in this group of friends, because we got very close throughout that freshman year started to have a lot of conversations about Christianity. It all started, it actually all started where one of my friends just offhandedly made some joke like, oh, but then why are there starving kids in Africa? Um, If you're a Christian, I'm like, ah, I don't know. Because <laughs> there's evil and stuff. And he's like, that's it's kind of weird. And I'm like, yeah, I should know this better. And then I texted Tucker. I'm like, hey, Tucker, can we meet? And I went to Tucker and I would ask him these questions and he'd tell me stuff. 
And then I go back and be like, hey, guys, this is what it was. But then I'm sure if any of you guys have talked to atheists or non-believers or people who are questioning, as soon as you answer one question, there's another one. And so I'd say this and they're like, OK, yeah, but what about rape in the Bible or like what about women or, you know, all these different things? Like, what about all those slaves that they were had? I'm like, oh, okay. And I would text Tucker, and then I'd go meet him, and I would come back to them, and I would tell them the answers, and then we'd do that a bit. And so there were some nights, like, we'd have these discussions late into the night, like, to 5 a.m., where we're just talking. I mean, sometimes they got extremely real. I remember one of the times one of my good friends was, like, in tears by the end of one of our discussions. I wish I could say it was because of the gospel, but it was not. So we'd have these conversations a lot. And then I, I'll never forget these memories. I would go upstairs in Reapy after we all separate because we all live together in the quad. And I'd be brushing my teeth. And then some nights when I was brushing my teeth and reflecting on the conversation we had, I'm like, okay, God is so real. They don't know what they're talking about. I'm so convinced of this. I know God is real. And then some days I would go up and I'd brush my teeth. And I'm like, what? Do I even believe this? What's the point of this? Atheism is definitely looking way more compelling right now than Christianity. I don't really think this thing is real. And so there was a lot of doubt. And there were definitely some nights when I would sit in my bed, lying in bed, where just thinking like, I don't know what I believe. I don't really know where my life is. I'm just going to go to sleep. And then tomorrow I'll have school and friends to worry about. And I won't have to reflect on this anymore. And I won't have to make decisions or figure anything out. And I can just keep going with my happy, distracted life. I don't know how much of that was conscious, but that is for sure what was actually happening underneath the surface. So... That freshman year was definitely one of like, I mean, a lot of sin, of course, but I think, I think God has definitely started. I mean, I know God was starting to move in me in that process, in that process of questioning and all the things I thought, like he was, he was forcing me to kind of confront faith and either believe in it or not believe in it. Like in in high school, it was a very lukewarm thing that I kind of said I believe, but wasn't real or not, but he was, he was forcing me to make it real or not real. And so, and it's someone actually who had a big part in this was Carson is because we would have Bible course and he lived in the quad as well. And Bible course was in Houston. So the quads right next to that. And so after Bible course every day, we would walk back and then sometimes we would just sit in the quad talking for like hours. And I know I really looked up to and respected Carson in a lot of ways because of how real his faith, at least to me, felt at that time. And, and it is very real. And so that was a really big encouragement because he would like talk to me about all these things and it was clear when I could look at him I'm like okay this is a viable thing to believe in like Chris like Carson clearly is a strong Christian there's something I can do and so he really helped me in a lot of that just as like someone to look up to as a strong believer so leaving freshman year oh yeah I always made the SGL MTL at the end of my <laughs> freshman year that's kind of funny. You know, <laughs> freshman year is the perfect time to make people in TL. So it's like, you know, that freshman year, sophomore year, like there's nothing traumatic like, happening there. Yeah, I was so solid in the faith. I was ready for everything. You yeah, were and it's and it's funny because I remember Trent Hubeck taking me into Houston Hall and being like, hey, Tommy, we think you would be a good SGL MTL. I'm like, I don't really, but maybe God's like using this to force me to sanctify myself. And because if I accept this, then I'll have to do it because it's like my job, right? So that's what I thought. So I accepted it and then proceeded to do pretty much nothing with the position for an entire year, which is, I mean, it's not, I want to emphasize, it's not like I blame anyone or think anything of it. And for sure, I attempted in every way to project spiritual maturity when I'm in Christian settings. So you wouldn't hopefully have known, well, 
hopefully, I guess maybe you should have. But I don't think anyone who had known me would have known that this is the life I led or these are the things I said or did. Like, it is not... I went out of my way to make that not obvious. And I don't think I really truly recognized the tension of my double life that I was holding there. But all that to say, SGLMTL pretty much did nothing because God wasn't real in my life. I don't even know if I believed in him at that point. So it makes sense that I'm not going to want to pray or fast to something that may or may not exist. So... End of freshman year, there were like a lot of prayer sessions that I didn't go to, and I remember feeling bad about it. And I remember thinking, okay, but over the summer, I'm going to figure all this out. I'm going to read all these books. Like, I bought a lot of books my freshman year, like Reason for God, Mere Christianity, all these things. Didn't read pretty much any of them. Like, I started Reason for God, I started making sense of God, then I just stopped for whatever reason. So, end of freshman year, I am leaving pretty unsanctified, pretty, like, unsure in my head. Like, I still want to pursue God in a way, but like, I don't know, really. Coming into sophomore year, I got a little bit more serious. Like, it was definitely a progression. Like, sophomore year, I started going to church consistently. Like, every Sunday, I would go to church. And I always went to Bible quiz and feel like, because that's those were just so fun for me. Like, I genuinely enjoyed those and would never want to miss them. So I always went to those. So sophomore year, I start, you know, attending Christian things more regularly. It starts to become a little bit more real. I at least try to start to read my Bible. Um, not very successfully, because I end up trying to read too much and don't really get a lot out of it. But like I read it a little bit and living with Jackson and Mark and James was helpful because I was living like that's when Jackson and I started to become way closer friends and Mark as well. And those are both strong Christians who were there for me and I could look to them and talk to them about faith and things like that. And that was always an encouragement. Like Jackson also a strong apologetics background from what he learned and studied in high school. So talking to him was always helpful. So my faith was starting to become way more real, but still not super real. And I think, ah, I think one of the ways, and this is hard to talk about because, I mean, talking about past sin is never easy. But I think one of the easiest ways to look at my life and say, how real was Jesus to him at that point, is look at the way I interacted with women. So in high school, you know, I had girlfriends two girlfriends not that many but like (laughs) i don't want to make it sound like uh but and they were like you know they were neither of them were christian right neither of them had any desire to be i never really talked to either of them about it that much because that wasn't really what the point of the relationship was in a way i mean the point of the relationship was for me to achieve uh achieve satisfaction both emotionally sexually and just like as a friend and that's really what both of them were. Like the second relationship, I really pretty much was not emotionally satisfied at all and yet stayed in it just because. And that's like really, like when I look back to that, I would never even, it's so far a thought from my mind to ever live that. And it's crazy to think that I was living in that constantly, but that is for sure the life I was in. Freshman year, it was similar with, uh, yeah, I mean, I won't go into the details, but it's, it's, it was clear the way I was interacting with women and particularly there was a woman who like was in this type of friend group situation, which was not handled well at all by me, which is really bad. And it is clear that I did not really care about Jesus or what he did or who he said he was, because how could I be treating children of God in this way? If, if I did believe in him, if I did believe in the things he said. So going into sophomore year, the reason I bring that up is I remember there was a girl at the end of sophomore year who I was like started talking to again, not Christian, who 
I talked to Mark about, and Mark kind of convicted me of that. And he's like, that's not right. Granted, I still ended up going through anyways. But this is where, this is the best part of the story. Because this next, I hate how tied it is to women. But this next part is really how I saw God move in my life. So there was this girl. Mark like is like, Tommy, you shouldn't be doing that. And I'm like, yeah. And then I kept doing it. Because I didn't really care, right? I just wanted, she was pretty. She was in Tridal. And everyone thought she was pretty. So I'm like, oh, look at how cool I am dating this pretty girl. And then I made a mistake in that relationship. And she ended up becoming not interested. And at the time, I was upset, right? As one naturally would be. But looking back, it is clear that the way I was progressing that and what I my intentions were were not at all holy and not at all good. And God is like, Tommy, if you're not going to listen to Mark, I'll just stop you and forbid you of the opportunity from sinning. And I am so grateful to God for that and saving me there. Coming into sophomore summer, I went and lived in Maryland. And there was another girl there from my high school who one of my mutual friends connected me with. And so this girl was another one. I'm like, oh, she's pretty. She's nice. And started talking to her there. And we actually ended up talking about Christianity a lot. And she was like not Christian. She was like spiritual, whatever that means. <laughs> so that was another time when, ugh, it's really, it's so embarrassing to talk about. But when we were talking about Christianity, I was like, I could feel the tension in my beliefs because I wanted to date her. Like, I thought she was pretty and nice. And I'm like, oh, this could be fun for the summer. But as she asked me what I believed, I was like forced to change what I believed to allow for the relationship with her to happen. And I could feel the inconsistency. Like it was clear that what I was, I had to change what I purported to believe in in order to make something that I wanted happen. And that's just, I mean, that's like such clear sin. And then obviously women and people in general do not respect someone who does not have convictions or respect what they believe. So she became very uninterested, which makes so much sense. And again, a time where God not only showed me the inconsistency of what I believed and how I lived, but also showed me, or also prevented me from sin that I was definitely going to, you know, fall headfirst into with that girl. So another time leaving, and again, at the time, I'm saying this looking back, at the time, I'm just like, ah, oh, that sucks. She was cool. Like, I'm not thinking, oh, thank you, God, for preventing me from sinning. Because if I was thinking that, I wouldn't be doing it in the first place. So that brings us to the final culmination of women, thankfully, which is in my sophomore summer. And this is something that, I should really reflect on this more and the weight and sin of this more because I think it would make me recognize how much God loves me. But <laughs> sophomore summer, I was really lonely. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to justify it. I downloaded Tinder because I didn't have any friends and I was, you know, in lust like all the time. And so I'm like, oh, my friends does this. Like my the people I talked to were not my Christian friends. They were the high, the secular friends from high school, the secular friends from college. And none of them would ever be like, oh, Tommy, that's disgusting. They'd be like, oh, let's do it. Let's swipe together. You know, like I'm getting encouragement. And that's just as a real quick aside, Christian community is so important. It, from my experience, the way I lived in secular community, it's almost impossible to live in secular community and not live a secular life, at least that strongly and that firmly in secular community, which is what I was doing. Like they're always talking about women they've slept with and things of that nature. And like, oh, look at how hot she is. Look at how fun this thing is and that's I mean it's, it's not an excuse right I knew better and I should have known better and I shouldn't have done those things but this is just a statement that Christian community is vital for keeping yourself from those sins so I downloaded tinder was using it and it yeah and then there ended up being this one girl who I met with 
And so this was like near the end of my time in Maryland. It was like two or three weeks left. And so I started meeting up with this girl. Oh, and like I still, again, had this ridiculous inconsistency where like, oh, I'm Christian. Let's be exclusive. Let's like essentially date, even though it was like this Tinder girl and I wasn't respecting sexual boundaries in the way that I should have. But I still purported that it was like a relationship. And from that, she was my only real friend in Maryland because like I had interns I worked with, but I didn't really know them. And she was the only person my age other than my 29 year old Navy roommate that I hung out with. And it was I mean, it was really that's a dangerous situation to have this one person be the source of all of your social, emotional and sexual satisfaction. Like, that's a recipe for disaster. So we date or whatever, whatever that was, for like two weeks. And then near the end of it, she loses interest through like a lot of different things. And it's it's hard to even explain. I don't even know if I fully understand it. But I think part of what made her lose interest, again, I, I'm only thinking about this now, was because I was so invested in her because she was like my not saying my everything makes it sound like more than it, but because she was the source of a lot of my fulfillment and satisfaction, she obviously couldn't live up to that, which made me upset. I mean, <laughs> I'm getting this from meaning of marriage. It's only now a reflection, go. but that really is what it is. Like I built her up to be this thing that she couldn't be and wouldn't be. And she's like, why are you building me? Like she felt that how the way I built her up and expected of her. And she's like, I don't want to be your girlfriend for two weeks, um, which is what I was expecting. And so that ended not great, uh, near the end. And then this is the part, this is where I think the climax, if you were, of my faith story begins. Because this happened so near the end of sophomore summer, and I remember just being crushed by it, like crushed by this girl, who I knew for like two, three weeks, right? But for like the next month after, I would just have a pit in my stomach whenever I thought about it. I was just like generally not that happy, generally pretty sad. And we're like, I mean, I had thought about it a lot, and I'm like, oh, let me just think about it, and then I'll stop thinking about it. But then that never worked, and I kept thinking about it. <sighs> so come to the start of junior year. I'm alone in 15 or 7 because I move in early for IT training. I think Jackson's on pre-retreat while I'm training. So I, I distinctly remember this night, and this is the night to answer your question, Caleb. We finally got there, the okay. night where Jesus became real, which is I'm standing there in my room. It's like 10 o'clock at night. And I watched, there's this YouTube channel called Charisma on Command. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, so I'm watching this video on self-confidence. And something he says is he's like, if you're going to be self-confident, if you want to be a self-confident person, you need to have tenets of life that you believe in. And if things don't affect those tenets, then it's not going to matter to you. For example, don't, if your tenet of life is like, I want to be someone who helps others. Then even if you're not getting appreciation for helping others, as long as you are doing it and you know you're doing it, you're still going to be satisfied. Like as long as you have these core tenets of your life, things that don't affect those core tenets won't make you unconfident. They won't make you upset or distressed. I thought about that. I'm like, okay, seems pretty reasonable. What would my core tenant be? Obviously Jesus, right? Christianity. This will be my core tenant. This will be like the thing that I talk about. And it was, this consisted of me, for about three hours, pacing around 1507, after watching this video, thinking and meditating, like, okay, what is my life? What was it with this girl? What was it 
with Christianity? You know, how do I want to arrange my life? And I wrote, I've got this notebook and I wrote in the back of it, like my new life plan. I'm like, I'm going to be, I'm going to follow Jesus. That's what's going to matter to me. And so I made that conviction and, and it was the reason I was watching the self-confidence video. The reason the conviction is so strong is I recognized how fragile my life was. Like every time these girls would, if things wouldn't go well with the girls, I would get pretty upset because that's where I was placing my identity in my ability to attract and date women in my desirability. And that's like obviously wrong and obviously so fragile too. My identity was not, you know, I think of the build your house on pillars of sand or build your house on the rock. The only thing after watching them, I'm like, okay, this makes sense. The only thing that can be my rock that can be stable through everything is Jesus. So I'm like, this has to be my new, my new pillar. This has to be my new framework. So coming into the semester, I have this goal, but like, let's not, I'm not going to pretend everything's suddenly different now, right? Still a sinner, still view women in a way that's not great. And then go on follow treat. And I talked to Marianne, actually, Marianne Swain, for those of you who know her, check out her episode. And I sit down on this bench with her as everyone's playing volleyball. And we talk for like two hours about just like various things. But one of the biggest things we talk about is scripture. And I remember telling her, I'm like, yeah, scripture doesn't really do it for me. Like, I don't know. I read it. And I feel like I don't get that much out of it. And she's like, what? <laughs> what do you mean scripture doesn't do it for you? <laughs> scripture is like the best thing ever. I'm like, oh, really? And she's like, yeah, you should like do all these things. You know, I have this Bible study with one of the, my uh, spiritual mentors from home. It's really great. Like I do all these you know, different things. It's so good. Scripture is so good. I'm like, okay, maybe, I guess. And so then I take that and I'm like, all right, Jackson, who I'm living with at this point, Jackson Min, let's do a Bible study together. And I think, I don't forget who suggested, but we start reading James. And then I start reading James with him. I'm like, oh, this is good stuff. Like the Bible is pretty, you know, it's got some wisdom in there. You know, it's not bad, it turns out. And I think having Jackson there, someone who like knew it better and someone to discuss it with, uh, was really great. I think at the time I viewed him as a spiritual equal, which I should not have. He was far above me, but I did for whatever reason incorrectly. And so it was helpful just to have equal discussions with him and we could talk and figure things out together. Like I just, I remember there's stuff in there about chasing the award and we're like, what does that look like? What is the Christian life chasing the award? And just like having these discussions is really helpful. And then a little bit later, there was 24 hour prayer. And in 24 hour prayer, I remember it was in my room. It was in 1507. So I was there like all day. And they just had Bibles out. And so a lot of time I was just reading it and I would read stuff in the Gospels. I'm like, whoa, that's in there? And like, <laughs> it's so stupid. I mean, some of the stuff I'd read was the stories I knew. I'm like, oh, there it is. You know, that's that's like the parable of the sower. That's that's so cool. And then some of the stuff I'd read, I'm like, oh, this is this is pretty good. And so was, at this point, I'm starting to realize, oh, the Bible's better than I make it out to be. You know, maybe, maybe it is good. And I talked to Fuji, I think, because at this point I meet with Fuji like semi-regularly. And he's like, oh, you should read John. And I'm like, okay. And so I set aside a time, and I'm like, I'm going to read John this now and now, right? And I do it, like, relatively consistently. And as I read, I'm like, oh, this is pretty good. Oh, oh, my gosh. I missed a huge part of this. I'm sorry. Bring it back a little bit, because this is before John. This is me talking to Carson, because this is really huge, too. And Carson talks to me about this idea how Christianity, it's like the Christian hedonism idea. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you don't have to have fun, and Christianity is supposed to be fun. Well, fun, joyful is a better way of putting it. And reading the Bible is good and joyful. And he's got, got me all hyped up. I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense. Like, it should be good, and it should be joyful to be in relationship with Jesus. And so after that, I started reading Genesis. That was the first thing I actually started to read on my own. And I would read it in the morning for like an hour and a half and enjoy every minute of that hour and a half. And that was radical to me. 
reading the Bible for that long of a time and enjoying it was like, what? Like, that was so cool. Uh, so, and I mean, Genesis, okay, I want to be honest, Genesis got a little boring near the end, but the start, I was, <laughs> okay, I was trying to talk about Joseph like that. <laughs> no, literally, it's like, it's like he, he like tricks them, he like sends back s- silver with them, and then he's like, oh, you have my silver, and they're like, no, we don't, and then he's like, yeah, you do, I planted it, and I'm like, what is this? And he does that like twice, I think, and then finally they come back, I don't, it's beside the point. <laughs> I read Genesis. I finished it. I got through it. If Fuji Kim once said he would hate this, but I'm going to tell it anyways. Fuji Kim said to me, after Genesis 12, it doesn't really matter. And I, <laughs> and I, and Fuji every, did not say and that. And every time I've said that. this to Fuji later, he's like, no, I didn't say that, but he, he did, for sure. I think and he I'm, said that in Bible course, too. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Can we mic. release this now? <laughs> He doesn't believe that. No, if you ask him that, he will not say, oh, yeah, that's true. He he doesn't believe it, but he said that. Let it be known, Fuji Kim. Uh, anyways, I got through Genesis. I plowed through the second half, and then I started talking to Fuji about John, and that's how that came in. But this, at this point, I knew that it was possible to read the Bible, and there's joy in there, and there's joy in pursuing Christ, and there's joy in trying to find out about Jesus. And there's Oh, and I started Family Group Junior Year, too, which is this GCC small group. It's like you can see I, the other way of tracking my spiritual progression is how involved I am in the church. Freshman year, pretty much nothing. Sophomore year, I would go to church all the time. Junior year, I would go to church and family group all the time. That was also at Mark Dong's convictions. So I'm reading the Bible now. I'm starting to learn more. I'm starting to love Jesus more and like appreciate him a little bit more. And then I read John in the next semester. I, I read John in the spring semester. I think I finish it, start reading Matthew. Uh, and... At this point, I'm starting to learn a lot more. I'm starting to learn about what it looks like to read the Bible, what it looks like to learn about Jesus and see all these different things. And so this has been really like massive. I'm starting to love other people better and have Wuck. That's this junior is the year Wuck begins. Paul, uh, Caleb, and I start doing the sound cart and have a lot of great conversations with them. Many times coming back post for the hangout, Caleb and I, Caleb, Paul, and I would sit in our room, (laughs) just talk, discuss things. That was really helpful as well, Mm -hmm. seeing other people pursuing Christ. I think this is where I'm starting to see, like, when I, I don't know if this is relatable or not, but when I wasn't in pursuing God that much, I felt like I was. Like, freshman year, and or at least sophomore year, sophomore year, I would have said probably that I was, like, pursuing God, mm. and even though I wasn't, and when I looked at other people, I'm like, oh, they're probably, like, about the same as me, like, what I was saying with Jackson. But then as I started to get more spiritually mature and see people like Paul and others around me, I'm like, oh, I'm really not pursuing God. Like, these people are loving him and following him. I am not doing it. I There is something wrong here. And so I started to follow him a lot, a lot more into my junior spring. And so, like, again, there's still doubt and sin in all of this, but there's a general progression. I, I wish I could use my hand on the podcast, but, like, picture a line sloping upwards, but, like, with constant waves up and down. That's what it is, right? Like, you're going up the Stock constantly. market. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's going up consistently, except for recently, and... Or in the stock market, not in my spiritual life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Tell you what's going on. <laughs> and, but there's, there's downturns, right? And I'm still in sin the whole time. So end of junior spring, I'm like, you know, I'm definitely learning more about God. And the gospel has definitely, I would say, become real to me. Like, it really is, I think, that moment after the Tinder girl and the breakup and all of that, when I start to realize my life is not where it needs to be. Like, that's the moment when I realized how 
much of a failure the things that I was putting my life on that weren't Jesus was. I'm like, this is not going to work for me. I'm not going to be happy. I'm not going to be satisfied or joyful in the long term if that's my plan. So that's when it started to become a lot more real. And then summer, junior year, I feel like I'm just going to current day. But this is the last thing. This is important. Summer of junior year, I'm starting to read. This is radical for me. I'm waking up at 6 a.m. before work to read the Bible. And I didn't do that every day. But that was also Isabella Pabon. Shout out. She was the one who told me to do that. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, that's the first time in my life that I've, like, sacrificed anything to read the Bible. Right? Like, the other times, like, oh, when it's convenient, you know, I'll fit it in and stuff. But it always took a little priority. But now I'm, like, waking up early to do it. And that's unbelievable to think of the person freshman year who I don't think opened his Bible once to the person who's sacrificing sleep for is an incredible grace and change that God made in me. So, and granted, I don't do it all that consistently, but then we have a Bible study, Caleb, Carlos, Paul, and I, uh, we read Ephesians. That was really dope. And I think really Paul especially is a massive encouragement because just like the way Paul speaks and acts, you can tell how much he loves Jesus and he doesn't do it in a way that makes you feel bad about not loving Jesus the way he does. He makes it, he does it in a way that makes you want to love Jesus the way he does. Like when you see Paul, you're like, oh, that's pretty cool. I want to, I want to love him like, I want to love Jesus like he does. So that I thought was really great. And that was a big encouragement. And reading Ephesians, pursuing, you know, knowledge in the Bible in that way was fantastic. So that takes us to senior year. Senior year, again, I mean, it's the upwards progression has continued for sure. But like by the time coming into senior year and like in the middle of senior fall is when I start to. I, I think, become far more confident in my faith. I mean, really, by, like, that time, I, I don't question it anymore. Like, I still had doubts, you know, all of freshman, sophomore, even into junior year a little bit. Uh, but now the doubts are pretty much gone, and I can be, I mean, not all 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 the way gone, but 99%, like, hand sanitizer gone, you know? 99.9% <laughs> of uh, doubts removed. So, Yeah. That's where it is today. Sorry, there's no natural end to the story. But I I don't think... Yes. I can talk about senior year. I don't think it's that valuable. Wow. I have two things I want to say to you, Tommy. Yes, Isaiah Scott Smith. One's funny and one's serious. (laughs) The funny thing is a verse at the end of Genesis where Joseph says to his brother, what God meant for evil... That's the one good verse. You know, <laughs> I'll give it God. to you. I'll give it to you. No, no, that one's a winner. Okay. Um, after Genesis 12, but it is amazing to me. Okay. Sorry. I, want- I was just going to say the other one good verse in Genesis. There's two winners after. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I, say, I think it's 17. They make a new covenant, right? Or refresh it or whatever. That's good. Uh-huh. And then when I was just thinking about this today, one of the, some woman is having children. I think it's. Leah and she has four kids and the first three she has so her husband loves her and then the last one she has so that like this one's for God and I remember thinking wow that's pretty cool you, yeah. was that Leah I don't remember yeah Judah. okay she ends with Judah there we go oh yes she ends with, yeah there it is yeah she ends with Judah. but anyway okay. so my funny thing is it is amazing to me that God was able to convict your heart through Kamiza on command <laughs> that really like I think has legitimately expanded a little bit like my understanding of what God can do in <laughs> this world to reach people. Um, Charlie, gotta love Charlie. I, the second thing I want to say quickly is I, I really appreciate your vulnerability in talking about, I think, the double life you felt and the sin in one world and the trying to project holiness in the other world. I think it's something that a lot of people will really benefit from because I think a lot of people 
do the things I heard you do. And they look around and they say, man, that person's really mature. I'm really not, you know, I have all this, I have all these skeletons in my closet. You know, I'm really figuring this out. But I think, you know, the reality is most of us in college are figuring it out. And like, yeah, I think you're going to have a real encouragement to people who can listen to this podcast and see like, yeah, you know, God's working in all our lives. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm like, I like listening to your testimony. Like, I think I heard like 70% of that at one point, like last semester, but like hearing it again in totality, like, and then also hearing Isaiah's right. Like there's no reason for us to be sitting around a table right now. Like mm-hmm. the three of us, yeah. we should not be here. Yeah. Like if, pre-college pre-freshman year Caleb met sophomore year Tommy I would have hated you I would be like <laughs> you're literally the worst person ever and you would have been like why are you so stuck uh, Isaiah I don't know where you would have been oh, <laughs> like, I, yeah. if you're talking about the resentment and hatred yeah we would have all hated I each other yeah and wow. yet here we are like I, I don't know God is so great God yeah. is just so great yeah I have a question yeah go ahead um so I think you know on the theme of double lives something i would be really interested in having you talk about is because i think the friends we had before we came to faith are sometimes some of the hardest people to try and reach and talk to and if you don't mind sharing kind of what has that experience been like you know trying to be the same person you are in church as you are with your friends yeah no that's that's a fantastic question and it's something very actively at least very recently actively i struggle with slash struggle slash struggle so you know that verse in ephesians the the crude joking one um at ephesians 5 something something Mm, yeah that is i read that and i'm like oh shoot because like as much as a lot of the exceptionally egregious things that i would say freshman year was sanctified out i mean when i'm with my friends they don't have the same Respect for others, respect for different races, respect for people of different abilities, just respect for people in general. Mm-hmm. So that leads to gossip, that leads to crass jokes. And it's hard because <laughs> I it's so funny. Like objectively, I'm not gonna sit here and say that's not funny. And maybe mm-hmm. part of it is if I respected people and loved people the way God did, I would not find it funny. And that probably is true. And God is working in that in me. But at the time it's it's funny and it's hard to resist making jokes. Like when you when a joke comes to your head and you're certain it will make people laugh and like make mm-hmm. people smile and then not saying that joke because you're like no that's crass quiplash if you guys are familiar with that oh, uh, yeah. it's a game where questions come up and then you can write answers like that group you can imagine is crassness incarnate in that game and there are so many times I think I'm like oh that'd be so funny and then there's one distinct time I remember I'm like no I can't put it that would not be glorifying to God I can't put it and I lost horribly because I made some like wholesome stupid joke that nobody laughed at <laughs> so and and that's like sounds stupid and it is stupid because I shouldn't care about that and I should care about glorifying God but it is a very real struggle for me when I'm with those those I mean this is like what I was saying earlier when I'm in those communities that are so secular to maintain Christian purity and Christian values and I'm and I'm growing in it and I'm getting better in it but it's still something I fall with, and that's definitely been a very recent change because it is hard not to just fall into that same secular lifestyle. Like, I don't, you know, at this point, I don't drink or do any of those things, like with the women. And for sure, when we talk about women, I in no way encourage it and talk about what I believe. And that has been a change from living the way they live to now talking out against the way they live. Mm-hmm. But it's been a process, and it's it's still a weird thing to have these people who are 
such close friends who don't believe the thing you do. Because, mm. like, freshman, sophomore year, these were, like, the guys. And even most of junior year. It's really only senior year that Christian Union has shifted to be my main community. And that's the thing because of my sanctification. I started to realize how different the worldviews are from that they have and what I have and how different that shapes things. Mm. And so it's it's strange because, like, the, those guys, I objectively have the most... I think of it this way. You know how with someone you're gonna have like a chemistry with them like a natural instinctual compatibility mm, yeah. and then you can deep down like agree with a lot of the same things like these guys i have some of the highest chemistry with out of everyone i know like they're funny we get along so well we can talk about anything but when we get deep down to it they just don't believe in the gospel and they are not i mean they're hostile to it in a lot of ways as anyone who is not in favor of it is thereby hostile to it and so that's been interesting and i've tried like to talk to them about jesus and stuff and it's like i don't know Maybe I should do it more. I probably should do it more. At this point, I've kind of given up, which maybe is not good. But it's like, it's hard for me to imagine what I'm going to say at this point mm-hmm. uh, to them. So I don't know if that answered your question. That was a lot of different things. No, that makes I a lot of sense. I could talk about that for a long time. Yeah, no, I don't think it's stupid at all. I think it's very real. Um, so yeah, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for exploring that. Yeah, so actually, along the lines of that, like back to a bit of your story, how did you end up living with james mark and jackson mm. instead of with yeah a group of people yeah actually it's it is interesting i think who did joe live with sophomore year i don't remember where he lived oh he oh yeah nah wow yeah okay um so it is true that me oh yeah this gets into a lot of things about the particular nature of that friend group because there was nearing the end of freshman year there was a lot of tension between some members of the group and so us all living together wasn't like on the table and some people in the group had like other friends and stuff, but really probably the most real thing is just, I remember James being like, Hey, Oh, right. This is a cool thing. Freshman year fall retreat. The only four freshman dudes on that trip were me, Mark Dong, Jackson, Mann, and James Fang. And after that, I remember on that retreat thing, like, wow, these guys could be my friends for all college. These could be like my guys. These could be my, you know, Austin and Mo from high school. These could be the people I'm friends with for like a long time. And in some ways that turned out to be true. Like I'm still friends with all of them, but James is the interesting one because he was part of Christian union and Christian Christianity, but then has kind of fallen away from it. And so he was kind of the overlap between those two groups, but that is how it came to be. Because James was part of like GCC and new people. And so he's like, oh, let's me, you, Mark and Jackson, let's live together. I'm like, oh, dope. Let's do it. So the God definitely worked in that to assemble me in Christian community with or something in community with Christians and not non-Christians. Like, I think that junior year was a big part also, living with Jackson, being, like, in a lot of ways, a hub for Christian Union activities, 1507, with, like, the sound card and post and all these different things. I think that was helpful because I was just constantly in and around Christians, and I could see the way they live. I'm like, this is awesome. I could see the way my friends are. I'm like, this is less awesome. And that made me love them and thereby Jesus more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. Okay, so... One thing, one aspect of um, your story that I don't think you really touched on, but that I know because I know you, is that you're highly successful as a student and in your work and stuff like that. So it feels like throughout your entire life, right, like you've basically chased the bo- both idols, uh, main idols of our culture, which are hedonism, right, pleasure and success. And following junior year, right, the hedonism has fallen away sanctified out by God, but yet you are still a very highly successful person. So how do you manage that, I guess, in this new paradigm and with God and all those other things? 
Yeah, it's a it's a tough question because <laughs> it I think reveals probably one of my greatest sins, my greatest sin that I deal with today and I've always dealt with, which is the feeling of being better than others. I think with Christians in general, and this take this with a grain of salt, I feel like there's two main issues that people have because like everything, centrality of the gospel, Fuji Kim, everything comes to how much you love and believe in the gospel, right? That is what determines your faith. I, I do firmly believe that. And so some people fall on like the more hedonistic and some people the more legalistic. So in my mm. sense, the hedonistic is in the sense of my sin's not that bad. I'm pretty good. Look at like who I am. Look at what I can do. Do I really need God? Did he really need to die on the cross for me? Are my sins that great that he had to come? I mean, look at that guy over there. I'm so much better than him. You know, people like me better. I'm smarter. Like I do less wrong things. How could Jesus really need to die for me? Do I really need the full cross for my salvation? I feel like I can get there on my own. So obviously that's so incredibly wrong, but it is something that I've believed and struggled with believing for a long time. And I think <laughs> I was talking about this recently with Jeremiah. It's almost like ironic and so dumb how because God has given me so much by his grace, by completely his works, I then feel like I don't need him. <laughs> it's because of how much he's given me that makes me feel I can be independent from him, that makes me feel I can be my own God and I don't need him in my life. So it's a struggle. It is a struggle and it's something I'm working with. And the verse I think that speaks the most to me is First Corinthians something. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, I know the words. Come on. <laughs> it's first Corinthians something, which is, what do you have that you have not received? If so, then why do you boast as if you have received it or as if you have not received it? And I'm like, oh, shoot. Yeah, I received literally everything. The other thing, the other verse that meant a lot to me was in Corinthians. Okay. Okay. Maybe I don't even know the book. <laughs> Just take us home. <laughs> but, 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 what it, but what it said is, oh, it's no, like, kidding. it's not, it wasn't Genesis. <laughs> I know that much. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm pretty sure it was First Corinthians 2. It's like, God has given us the gift of the spirit to understand the gift of grace. Like, it's such a radical idea to me, not not only has he given us the gift of grace to even understand the gift of the cross that he's given us, we need another gift of the spirit to be able to comprehend and realize it. And I'm like, whoa, I am nothing, right? It is God's spirit who moved in me, who brings me to him, who's given me all that he has, all good things come from God. It is only him. And so those two verses I try to reflect on, I mean, I'm still sin, I still struggle with it, but those two kind of, I think answer the question where I'm, I'm in the process of reliance on God and knowledge that everything I have comes from him. I am not good enough without him and I need him. And it's something I've been praying at least very recently is for God to convict me of my sin. Because I think, I mean, you guys, for those of you who don't know the cross diagram, Fuji Kim, but it's like, it's literally, okay. I know it's like a meme, but it's such a good diagram. I, I It's not a meme. It is. Yeah. It is, it is like true. a lot of how I understand <laughs> Christianity good. is that diagram. So mm-hmm. uh, again, podcast, but basically, Nope, not going to be able to describe it. It's very picturesque. I cannot describe a diagram in words. But what it says is the more you understand your depravity and how much of a failure you are, the more you'll understand how much the cross means and the more you'll love Jesus. And that's the Christian walk. Continually understanding your depravity, your sin, continually recognizing how holy God is, what he expects, and recognizing that the cross is what fills that gap. And out of the the 
the magnitude you understand that, the magnitude you will love Jesus. So I have been praying to, for God to reveal my sins because I am so self-righteous and I think I'm so incredibly great. And that's a lot of the the women stuff I think feeds into that too, mm. which is even now I struggle with placing my value and being attractive. Because like it's something, I don't know how it started or where it comes from. Like deep down, I'm sure there's analysis, but like being attractive, thinking of myself as an attractive person is something that's very important to me, sinfully. That is one of my idols. And I think a lot of these things with women are, validation for that idol like in order mm. to think of myself as attractive women have to be attracted to me so then i want that so that way i can validate my own image of myself as like this loving great super cool guy who everyone women included love and want to be around so that's like a huge 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 sin issue in my life and something that i am working through and i don't expect in a year to be done with it unfortunately but that i think answers the question is that it's not the success is hard, and I'm grateful to God for the gift. <laughs> I'm grateful to God for the gift, but I am excited for when I can use the gift to glorify Him and not myself. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, Amen. I think, um, you know, I also do kind of want to go back to something you said as you're explaining your testimony at the start. You know, you switched from having, you know, just a group of secular guys, as you said, as your friends, and then you come into Christian Union and you say now as a senior, you feel like Christian Union has been your primary group. You know, I'm curious if there are, you know, sort of things you've learned about Christian Union as being kind of a little bit more of an outsider or maybe, you know, somebody who doesn't make Christian Union their primary thing and you've now like have transitioned and walked through coming into Christian Union and getting to know people and now this is your primary group. So I'm just curious if like, there are lessons or perspectives, things you think Christian Union did well, things you think Christian Union did poorly. You know, what's your thoughts there? Yes, that is a fantastic question. And that actually, the answer to that question is what I also would answer to, where do I see Christian Union in five years, if that was going to be asked. So I'll cover you both You can't those. answer that now, Tom. No, no, it's no the, I'm kidding. But it's, the, it's genuinely the answer to Isaiah's Wait, question. Let me, let me ask that. So Tom, <laughs> <laughs> where do you see Christian Union five years so, when you're 27 and you're coming back? Where do you want to see us? Wow. <laughs> so, so this is something I said during senior filia. But what I would love to see is Christian Union as a community where if you are passively pursuing Christ, you feel uncomfortable. And hmm. the reason, hopefully hearing my testimony, you'll see now why that is something I'm passionate about, is I, as someone who was passively pursuing Christ my sophomore and freshman year, and I do genuinely believe Christian union is a lot of what brought me out of it. Like, I know I said I, seeing other people's spiritual maturity, I wasn't great at, but even in how blinded I was, I could still see, you know, I could distinguish an elephant from a bug. Like, I might have not thought the elephant was that much bigger, but I knew it was bigger. So I, mm. that, that is to say, <laughs> nice. I could tell that these people were more spiritually mature than me when I talked to Fuji, when I talked to, to Tucker. Also, sophomore year, my Bible course was just me and Fuji because I couldn't meet the time that Tucker met. So I had Romans and Philippians with one-on-one -on -one Fuji came an hour and a half a week. Wow. And wow, yeah. If I wasn't sanctified after that, I don't know what could sanctify me. <laughs> but literally, that is when I learned about death and resurrection, which was huge. I did not get the gospel before that. And he drilled into my head, pop quiz, hot shot, death and resurrection. So I got that down. But in that process, in Fuji, in Tucker, in seeing the guys around me, Carson especially, as I was mentioning earlier, where I, these are people who I would look up to, and I'm like, these are Christians. These are kind of what I want to be like. 
And what I would love to see and what we've done way better is make Christian Union a viable social group to be your main social group. Freshman year, that's like so untrue, at least mm. from my perspective. Like the amount of time I spent with these secular dudes, I was with them probably 70 hours out of my week. That's like non-exaggeration. There was literally a day, I just to remember, I woke up, immediately went down to our common area and was with them the entire day, went to bed and then did it the next thing the next day. Like we're constantly with each other. That level of constancy and friendship and community was so far from Christian Union. It was a thing for me. It was a thing I did on Thursdays. I went to the formals and I went to Bible course and that was pretty much the it. Mm-hmm. Like that was the end of it. And I would love to see Christian Union and Freshman Friends is huge for this. Be a more social thing where you can make it your main friend group. You can have this Christian community around you and you can be really close to people. And something else I want to say on that is when I say I want to be a place where passively pursuing Christ is uncomfortable, I don't mean that to say there can be a tendency, I think, in Christian union sometimes, which I don't think we do amazingly, because I based on conversations I've had with people, where we talk about things in a way that makes people feel excluded or dumb for not knowing them. So mm-hmm. there is certain language that can be used, there's certain manners of speaking, there's certain authoritative tones that convey if you don't know this, you're worse in some way. And they don't convey I know this because of the grace of God in my life. And I think those we can be careful of because I have definitely fallen in that trap because I want to project spiritual maturity, of course. Like, I think it's something a lot of people do. And so that's, I think, one of the the potential dangers of Christian union is I would hate for someone who's like a new Christian. Like me, freshman year, if I were to come in and hear these people talk, I would hate to be intimidated and scared and leave. I don't know if that would happen. I mean, it it didn't because I'm here in a way, but... I think that is something to be scared of. And I think something like Paul Um, what I was mentioning earlier, is exactly what I want to see. Where they love Jesus in a way that makes you want to love Jesus. Like the way you see him love is like, oh, I want to have that. So I think that is really incredible. So I don't know if that answers your question perfectly. And another thing to finally answer the question is the people in Christian Union are awesome. Like I always felt this, but the more closer I get to them, the more I realize how awesome they are and how like, like just hang out, post for the hangouts so fun <laughs> so incredibly fun <laughs> i know it's it seems silly but i think that's a big part of why i'm a christian is how fun post for the hangouts were because like me and my friends mm-hmm. would have fun like we would do all these things and it was great but there was something different i feel like about post for the hangout something different in the way we interacted and loved each other that was noticed and felt by me and made me want to pursue him more so that is i think the biggest thing that i noticed going from inside to outside is the more i got to know these people the more i wanted to get to know these people and the more i saw the love of jesus in them and around them that's a great answer, by the way. Yeah. Thank you. It's fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. I, I feel like that just like speaks so much to like the joy of Christian community and like spirit of unity that can exist. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what my post-billion hangouts would look like without Tommy Kumpf trying to do, like, handstands. Oh, climbing around tables. Climbing around tables. No, literally, that that day when we all tried to climb around the table, top five. Okay, Top five days of my life, maybe? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That's strong. But that was a hype day. That was fun. And I remember because we all hung out the next day and we were all bruised all over our legs. Like, oh. (laughs) You know what I think is cool? I wish I remember which John chapter. One of the teens. But um, the verse that says, you know, whatever you give up in this world, you will receive a hundredfold in the next life in this life. And like, yeah, it is cool to see like, you know, you had to take a step away from your friends and what you could do, but then you were met, 
you know, through the church and, and through friends that you're able to build here. I think that's cool. Yeah. I'm honestly at like a loss for words, you know, like every, every time I, I think of it, like you're, you're such an integral part to my life right now, mm-hmm. Tommy. So it's like to imagine that like God's grace and provision in like shaping you the way into who you are now. Right. And putting the people in your path and also disciplining you the way that you needed to be disciplined. Mm. I don't know. Like, and how it's kind of like that, like Proverbs, like uh, as iron sharpens iron, uh, man, one man sharpens another or whatever. Like hearing your testimony as a hearing yours, Tommy, and also getting snippets of Paul's. Right. And then also snippets of Fuji's. It's like mm. God had to do so much work in each one of us. But as a result of all that work that was done, like now, not only are we more sanctified, but we are now more capable of sanctifying one another. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. Just think too, all the times you just come up to me and tell me that I'm sinful, Tommy. It's like, (laughs) wow, I appreciate that so much. (laughs) Uh, That's good. I'm glad. I, yeah, I completely agree. Like when I look at my own life, it is, it's radical to see how God has moved and to kind of that point, how God has used others in my life as well, who I'm sure then going back had their own thing. You can kind of follow it all the way back. (laughs) (laughs) Like Carson was able to help me because of his sin in high school. Because someone else had seen who they helped him through. Oh, shoot. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe maybe I'm getting too... (laughs) Too mathematical. But, yes. I completely agree with you. So, I guess uh, one of my last questions would be, like, moving forward as you're graduating, you're going to be moving out of this community and transitioning into another one. What are some lessons that you've learned in finding this one that you're going to take into looking for your next community? Mm. And also, like, kind of what sort of, I guess, thought process or mental or headspace you're going to be in when you're going to do that for people who are coming in as freshmen or people going out as well as seniors? Yeah. No, that's that's a great question. And I think so. this is something we had talked about, but finding a church after college. The thing I love, and I've said this a lot about Christian Union, is how actively the members of Christian Union pursue Christ. Like, pretty much everyone in Christian Union is pursuing Christ actively. And maybe that's not true, like, when I was a freshman, it wouldn't have been true of me. But by their senior year, I would imagine pretty much everyone in Christian Union is in love with Jesus and pursuing him desperately. And that's incredible. And I, you can hear it said, people say this is like a secular advice thing, but you want to be the stupidest guy in the room if you want to get smarter. Like, if you want to grow in something, surround yourself with people who are better than you in that. So Christian Union is fantastic for that because there are all these incredibly spiritual, mature, and wise people who I can talk to. I mean, students and ministry fellows included. So that is what I would love to see. And I'm considering 10th Presbyterian, TCN. Oh. I know, I know. Wow. I know, I know. What? Tommy! Maybe. <laughs> but the, the thing I'm scared of, and because this is something I feel in GCC, in GCC, it does not feel like the spirit is as alive. And I, I, I feel bad judging. But the, from the external perception, saying nothing about the hearts that I receive, it does not feel like Jesus is as alive, alive in their life as it is in Christian union. And so kind of my fear is that I won't be able to find a community this alive in Christ because that I think is truly one of the best ways to grow is fellowship. I mean, that's, you see that all the time in the Bible. Fellowship brings unity and growth. So that is a, a fear I have, is that leaving Christian Union, will I find a community that's as Christ-centered? Who is going to spiritually disciple me without Fuji Kim? What am I going to do? I literally, I mean, these are these are things I'm scared of and, I mean, confident of with Jesus in a way. Like, I, 
I am way more confident now that he will provide these things, but these are things that I will intentionally be seeking out. A strong Christian community, strong Christian friends who I can do life with and be with constantly. And I'll still be around, so I'll still see you guys. I don't know. That is something I'm still thinking about is how much interaction to have with Christian Union specifically because like at some point you have to separate, but at some point you guys are my friends and I don't want to like just leave. But I don't know that. Does that answer the question? Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like kind is the right answer. It only yeah. kind of is. If there's anything else more specific, I can go into detail. You'll have to come back next year and give us the, uh, the rundown on how like, it worked mm, out. <laughs> the TCN life. Yeah. Six years from now. Yeah. I... Well, I will say, as an active member of 10th Presbyterian, I think you'll meet some cool people. Okay. Except for good. Gavin Limberdopoulos. Gavin, if you're listening, <laughs> you need to repent, man. <laughs> and I will say, um, should still consider GCC because GCC is pretty dope too. Yeah. It is dope, and yeah. it is something that, like, <laughs> I have not, I have not committed to a church in the way that I've committed to Christian Union. So it's mm. hard for me to make these judgments because I've right, never right. truly been in there. I've never truly lived with them in the way I lived with the guys and girls in Christian Union. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for those wow. of you who can't see, <laughs> Caleb watches Pat and Isaiah's leg <laughs> very lovingly. <laughs> To As signify we... the end of this podcast. <laughs> it was loving. Yes. Maybe I should say, for those of you who don't know Gavin Limerdopoulos, he's a very spiritually mature man. associate <laughs> mentor of Ted's Presbyterian. Yeah. Well, Tommy, I mean, yeah. Thanks so much for coming on to our podcast, for actually being here every week um, <laughs> that we do the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I don't know where a lot of people would, would be in CU if you were not, if you had not softened your heart the way mm. that you did. Um, to God and this podcast would not have been a thing either so big eat for Tommy big eat for Tommy can I get a press one if you feel good for Tommy in the chat (laughs) I'm pressing one right now (laughs) yeah any 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 last thoughts Tommy before we close Christian Union is dope nice nice love Jesus anyways that brings us to the end where we say that this episode was brought to you by Christian Union Mortis. It was recorded, produced, and edited by Just Be Records. Special thanks to Thomas Richard Kump for being with us today. The views of the speakers and hosts are not necessarily reflective of Christian Union as a whole. We thank you for listening, and we hope that you got the gospel today from this episode. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>